as we continue this quest of being all in. Today, we put some more rubber to the road, as we would say, another way for you and me to live out this journey in an all-in way. And I begin by saying this, that the Bible tells that love covers all, covers all sins, covers a multitude of sins, that, that somehow you and I can live in this world and those offenses that have come against us, we have the ability, because Christ's living in us, to cover all those sins, to, to not keep record of those wrongs. And we have a chance to live in such a way that the world will know we are Christians by our love. So just ask this real simple question. Would the world know by looking at your life, that the way you live, that you're a Christ follower? Is it obvious to them by the way that you live right now that someone would say, you must be a Christ follower? And so there's ways to do that. Scripture is implicit, gives us an example. And in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul gives us a really, really good example. And watch this and you'll get an example what it means to be a Christ follower. Look at this video. So if we're known we are Christians or disciples by the way we love one another, there are some ways that we can do that. And there are more ways that we can do that too. And scripture shows us that. To live in such a way like Christ did, like he was willing to love us unconditionally. It's possible. And so if you wonder how I can do that, we're going to see in scripture today, there are ways that you and I can make a decision every hour, every day to live in such a way that the world looks at us and says, there's something different about you. Something different about you and you and you and you by the way you live your life. You love unconditionally. I long for a day, and I know you do too. Many of you long to have families like this and marriages like this and, and, and communities like this. But I long for a day for us and for Grace Community Church to be a church where, where, where love prevails and probably many of you are worn out as I am at times by critical spirit of others, the need to point out faults about someone or a group of people and, and how this can rule in relationships. I even prayed this week that the Lord would break down these strongholds, these lies that we believe about leaders and churches and people and husbands and wives and families, that somehow God would break those down and we would take captive those thoughts and, and that we would force them to be obedient to Christ. 
so that when we live, people look at the love that comes from us because of Christ living in us, and it radically changes the, the atmosphere, radically changes the landscape, and people run to Jesus because they see love like they've never seen it before. Today, I'm going to show you a person who understood love, a man who, by the name of Peter, Peter said he would never deny Christ. And as Christ was going to the cross, about to be uh, persecuted and, and crucified on the cross, Peter was following behind with a group of people. And prior to that time, Peter said to God, Jesus, he said, Jesus, I'll never deny you. Jesus, I will die for you. And we see in the gospels that Peter denies Christ not once, not twice, but three times. And so God comes back to him. Jesus comes back to him and receives him in and forgives him. And so as he begins to write this letter today, he understands what it means to love. He understands what it means to be forgiven. And so now he's telling us, inspired by the Holy Spirit, this is what I know to be true because not only have I heard about it, I've experienced it, and it is what we should do as Christ followers. Grab your Bibles and turn to the book of 1 Peter, and let's see what he had to say. If you need a Bible today, hold your hand up. Our ushers will be happy to put one in your hand. Hold your hand up, but turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 7 to 8 of chapter 4 of 1 Peter. Stand with me, and we'll read that out loud together. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 to 8. This is what Peter has to say about love. Let's see what he learned and what Jesus told him and, and what he's trying to tell us inspired by the Holy Spirit today. Let's read 1 Peter 4, verses 7 and 8 out loud together. Ready, read. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Let's read verse eight again. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. You may have a seat. We see from this text that love covers over a multitude of sins. What does that even mean? How is that even possible? How does that play out in the nine to five of our lives, how do we live out that kind of love? Well, Peter said first here, he said, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober mind so that you may pray. And he says, above all, love each other deeply. What does it mean? And what is he saying? Let's just clarify that first. What does it mean to love someone or to love others deeply? Do we dig a hole and jump in and pull them in? What does he mean by deeply? The idea of word deeply in the original has the idea of fervently. James describes it in, when he wrote his book in the Bible. He said that we, should, that we should pray in a fervent way. And the fervent prayer of righteous men and women avail much. In other words, there's this difference in just praying. And there's this difference in loving that is, it is a fervent love for something. It's a fervent prayer for someone. It's the idea, picture if you can, fervent means the idea of straining kind of love, stretching out your muscles. It's, it's, it's the runner that, that's coming across the finish line in the sprint and he's straining to win. It's the person reaching as far as they can to pull someone out of a precarious situation. It's you and I using the every effort that we have to reach out and express love where even to the point where it hurts to the point where we might pop a hamstring or pull a calf muscle or, or, or pull a bicep. It's this idea that I'm willing to go as far as humans can possibly go in a fervent way. I'm going to love. It's, it's this effort that is like no other effort that you've given before. Or just plain, stretched out love. It's the idea of reaching for more. It even means to be stretched to the point of being hurt. Today's Valentine's Day. Like, how many of you went the extra effort, stretched your love, went further than you went last time to show your wife or husband or kids or mother or father or children that you love. How many of you stretched out, you went as far as possible to show your love? Or do you just wake up in the morning and say, yeah, it's you again, happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> or did you stretch out this love? 
Did you reach as far as you can? It's the idea of going deeper and deeper and more fervent and more fervent than you've ever went before. It means you might get hurt. It means that you're transparent. It means that you hold your love for each other and everyone at arm's length and you are exposing your heart. You're saying, here's my heart. I'm opening it up to you. I'm letting you see my heart. I'm letting you, I'm giving you my heart. And I know there's danger in that because I've been burned before. I've been in other relationships where I've been broken, but I am stretching out my heart to you. It's becoming transparent with someone and exposing your best and worst and then loving them through it. It's the kind of love that opens yourself to pain and hurt. It's tough to open yourself up when you've been hurt or broken before. Yet Peter says, that's the kind of love that we should give to one another. To love deeply, because that kind of love covers a multitude, over a multitude of sins. So as I read this account this week, I asked these questions because that's crazy love. That's the kind of love that only a Christian can give. And so I asked myself these questions when I, when I read this text this week. How far does this cover go? Like, wait a minute. Peter, I, I know that you've denied Christ three times, but what are you talking about? Like, this is the seventh time they've done that. Well, Scripture's in pretty clear. 70 times seven. Well, 490. This is 491. I'm done. No, 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 we're not. It means, it means continue over and over and over and over and over and over. It's this picture of, I am going beyond where I thought I could go. I'm going beyond what, what even my friends tell me I should go. I'm loving someone when everyone else says, what are you doing with that person? It's risking our reputation for Christ to love someone. Then I ask this question, are there any circumstances where I can stop covering them with love? Is there ever a time where my love should stop? What does this really mean as I read this again this week? And, and then I asked this question, as you might have too, and you might be thinking right now, we have Pastor Jim, you don't know this situation. I asked, will I be taken advantage of because of this kind of love? Will I find myself broken and hurt, financially hurt because of it? Where does it stop? Will I be taken advantage of? So what is this kind of love that covers a multitude of sin? Is it possible to cover all the sins? Is it my responsibility as a Christ follower to keep no record of wrongs? So what does it look like? What the, how, show me what that looks like from Scripture. Well, when someone wrongs us, we end up with two kind of options or three kind of options. We have choices to make in extending this love. We can forgive and move on. And choose not to keep a record of wrongs. We can choose not to keep a record of wrongs. Paul said it best. I mean, hold your finger here. And Peter said this, but Paul even adds to this. Turn to 1 Corinthians 13. You saw the opening video. What is love? Here are 16 kinds of ways to live out love. Look at 1 Corinthians 13. We saw it visualized in the opening video, but here's what Paul says this kind of love is. I mean, Paul says it. Peter says it. We're going to see Jesus saying it. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Look at verses 4 to 8. Paul says, inspired by the Holy Spirit, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Like, that's a lot right there. Like, give me a couple years on those. Look at verse 5. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered, guilty. It keeps no record of what? Wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. And as if that wasn't enough. Look what, look what, look what, not, not look what Paul does. He has to add this little word called always. Look at verse seven. It always protects, not just once in a while. It always trusts, not just when I feel like it. It always hopes, even when I'm hopeless. It always perseveres, even when they don't get anything back from this person. Love never fails. It keeps no record of wrongs is tucked in the midst of that. So there's this sense. Now just think about this for a second. What would it be like in every relationship that you and I are in if we didn't keep record of wrongs? 
what would that, I mean, how would it change our communities? How would it change Grace community? How would it change this entire community called Elkhart County if we chose not to keep records of wrongs of our bosses, of our pastors, of our husbands, our wives, our mothers, our exes, our husbands, our, our dads, our children, our coaches, our teachers, our leaders, our our, our, our employers? What would happen if every day we chose? I will not keep a record of wrongs. But we do, don't we? In fact, truth be known, we, we like them. We like them a lot. And we hold them close to us. It's like, man, I like keeping good, 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 good accounting. Like, my son is an accountant for Krugel Lawton firm in Elkhart, and he's a good numbers man. He's good at what he does, and he always has been good at numbers and my other kids have also. And so you want to be a good record keeper. <laughs> so we say, God, I'm going to keep writing. Some of you, boy, you're good at this. Like, like, well, you want to know what they did, Pastor Jim? Here it is. In fact, what date do you want to know? September the 7th. There it is, 2014. They did. And some of you got up today. You carried in every fault, every offense, everything that your husband has done, everything that I've done, everything the church has done, and you have carried a record of wrongs. And you came in today, you know what he did? And, and you walked in today, and you laced up your shoes, and you got dressed, and you said, happy Valentine's Day, baby, brother, guess what? I hold these close to me. Yet the word of God says, we should keep no records of wrongs. But we like them, don't we? Because it's like, it's, it's, our, it's our trump card. Like, we can get what we want from him. All we have to do is pull out that one. All we got to do is, is share that one again. We, we want to get pity. So we tell everybody about their sins. And hey, look at my. And so we walk around with all these wrongs. And the word of God says, love keeps no record of wrong. And so we came and worshiped God today. Oh, Jesus, I love you. One hand, we're, we're quoting the word of God. The other hand, oh, look at the love of God. Isn't it a beautiful thing? Listen. Peter is saying that if we are to love like Christ loved, then we should love fervently and we should not hold on to the offenses of others that have been done against us. So what do we do with these? We, we get rid of them. Like, but Pastor Jim, this is such a good one. Like, all I have to do is bring it up and he buys me chocolate. I love this one. The word of God says, love keeps no record wrongs. Well, how about this? Oh, love keeps no record of wrongs. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love doesn't keep a record of wrong against that brother, that sister, that coach. That boss, love keeps no record of wrongs of that dad, of that mom when I was six years old that rejected me. Love keeps no record of wrongs to that church, to that community. Love just doesn't keep a record of wrongs, yet we carry them everywhere we go. And you got them. Right now, you got them against me, and you could name them all. Yeah, Peter says, to love one another deeply means let me ask you something. What was more important that you grabbed today? Was it this or these? What are you going to carry out of here? You love these. Oh, you love these offenses. And yet the word of God says, they will know we are believers. They will know we are disciples. They will know we are Christ followers by our love, not our offenses against us. So love can forgive and move on and choose not to keep a record of any wrongs. Or we can drag that person through the mud and keep track and tell everyone else about all their wrongdoings. Have you ever seen that happen? I've watched it far too often. 
People feel the need to tell others all the reasons that you shouldn't trust that person. They often they go to social media and tell you. They just write it out there. They feel better about telling the whole world. And yet the word of God says, love covers over a multitude of sins. Love does not keep records of wrongs. See, when you love like Jesus does, you refuse to bring to public another person's sin. You handle it privately first. Isn't that what Matthew 18 says? You go before the person. Love deals with sin publicly only as a last resort. Ask yourself this question. When someone feels the need to make your sin a public issue, why are they doing that? When I say public, it's like, hey, you want to get together for some coffee? Let's get together for some coffee. And you're having coffee and you think, man, this coffee's good. And they start talking about that person. All that that person has done. Like, what causes a person to want to do that? Like, why is it that some people have this incessant desire to keep bringing up other people's sins? Love that covers all has a short memory and zip lips. And here's why I know what's going to happen after this message. Here, here's what's happened. Some of you, you've offended maybe your wife or husband or your kids or your boss. And you know what you want to do? You want to go to him and say, now, listen, did you hear him? You can't hold that against me. Like somehow we're going to bring it back against them. Love doesn't do that either. You know, the word of God tells us in Proverbs that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, the life lives. So literally, out of this heart that we have, it's, it's the center of reasoning. It's the center of action. And so out of the overflow of our hearts, our lives speak. Our, our mouths talk. Out of, I would say it this way. Out of the overflow of our hearts, social media speaks. And so there's this picture that, 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 that Peter's giving us here. He's telling us that, that love covers over a multitude of sins. And, and by the way, it means that there will be times when we are sinned against. Yet some of us like holding on to those moments. And we know the dates. November the 3rd. 1993. On that day, she did this. Some of us even have holidays like December the 25th. I wanted that bike and he gave it to my sister. And you still hold that against your mom. Some of us have events. I mean, we know the dates, anniversaries, October 4. We have these moments in our lives that are stuck that we refuse. And, 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 and we remember the dates. I mean, just write out the dates. January 3. There's just these moments all over the place. April 15. He said he would take care of the taxes and he didn't. We all have them. They're all over our hearts. Just, just mark out the dates. March. January. February. And so our hearts literally are all scarred up with all these memories. And then we have this one corner of our heart. Like, I'm not giving that one up, Pastor Jim. Just praise the Lord for all the rest, but I'm not. If the word of God says, out of the overflow of our hearts, our lives speak. Let me just ask you a real personal question. Who are you holding something against? Like, where at in your heart? Have you refused to give it up? Listen, you will never be, and I'll never be the person that Christ intended us to be, and we'll never be all, oh, Pastor Jim, I was all in. I burnt my boat, man. My mom was perfect, too. Did you see it? Like, it was neatly, it looked better than theirs, and there was. We burned it outside, and I'm all in. No, no, no. All in means that you choose not to hold an offense or sin that someone has done against you. You don't keep a record of their wrong. A stretched out love expects people to fail, expects to be hurt, and expects to be criticized and gossip about. Like somehow when you, when you understand this, it's like I'm not surprised when people don't like me. I'm not surprised, and you shouldn't be surprised when, when human beings sin against you. It's like I'm not surprised by that. 
because we live in a fallen world. It's not like you're surprised by it. It's almost as if you expect it to happen, but the same expectation you have of them, the same expectation should be of us that we cover it all up with love, that we choose not to hold it against them. See, your marriage, your family, your friendships, this church will not survive if you continue to keep a record of wrongs. And if we refuse to let our love cover over a multitude of sins, we will end up far, far below our redeemed potential. You see, it breaks my heart when I see unforgiveness prevail. I watch people hold the sins. Again, I watch marriages. They hold it against each other. I watch groups of people hold it against groups of other people. I watch individuals, they're miserable. Have you ever wondered, maybe the reason you're so miserable and so depressed is because your heart looks like that? How can there be life? How can life grow from that? That's alive and there's freedom if your heart is littered with unforgiveness. Married couples, what are you still holding on to? How about people who used to be married and now have exes? What are you holding on to? We must forgive even if we get nothing back from them. So how do you truly forgive someone? What what does that look like in a full picture? You do not tell everyone what they did to you. Listen to me, do you hear me? Like, you're done. You're done talking about it. Like, you don't get together with your girlfriends and say, let me tell you about my husband. Yeah, my husband does that too. Give me another cup. Like, why? What's the purpose of getting together and gossiping about your husbands? Husbands, what's the purpose in getting together and, and airing all the dirty laundry about your wives and your kids? There's no other purpose than to knock them down and to lift you up. And it's called sin. And if you continue to live that way, you will be miserable. That's why so many people live far below their redeemed potential. They're upset, they're, they're mad at the world, and they have these spouts of anger. Like, where did that come from? It's your heart. They've lost their desire to be healthy, spiritually, mentally, physically, intellectually. It's because of your heart. It's because you refuse to forgive someone of something. How do you know when you've forgiven someone, you let them save face? You don't feel this incessant desire to keep bringing up everything they've done to you wrongly. You don't keep bringing it up when you're angry. Here's how it happens. Maybe you're guilty of this. I should say, you are guilty of this many times. It goes like this. You tell your husband, it's like, you tell your wife, you know, they come to you and they they offend you. Your mom offends you. Your brother offends you. Your your boss offends you. Your coach offends you. And and you say, I forgive you. I forgive you. (laughs) Oh, even though I don't want to, I do. And so one week later, your husband or wife, mother, father, coach, does the very same thing to you. Here's how you know whether you forgive them. You don't say, didn't I just, didn't you just do that last week? Didn't you, like, that's the 10th time you've done that this year. You want to know, here it is, I got them, I got them. How many of you keep bringing it up and reminding them? You see, the word of God says that God loves us and chooses not to remember our sins anymore. How many of you are still remembering them? True love covers over a multitude of sins. Jesus had some more to say about this. And by the way, this isn't it. I mean, hold your your finger here and look at Matthew. Jesus had something to say about love. It's like, as this this isn't hard enough already, it's like, man, can we just get out of here? Like, I've had enough. Look at Matthew chapter six and verse 15. Look what Jesus said about love and forgiveness. I mean, it gets better. You want to be all in and love? Look at Matthew chapter six and verse 15. Look what Jesus said. We'll begin with verse 14. Jesus says this regarding love and those who have offended you. Look at Matthew chapter six and verse 14. It says, for if you forgive other people when they do what against you? Sin against you. Your heavenly father will also what? Like, let's just stop there. Oh, praise the Lord, I get forgiven. Praise, thank you, Jesus. I love scripture. 
Praise God for the word of God. Look what Jesus says next, though. Verse 14 says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, like, oh, Jesus, you had to go there, didn't you? If you do not what others? Forgive others, they're what? Your Father will not do what with your sins? No, I didn't say that. Jesus said it. Look at verse 15. If you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Whoa. Think about that for a second. Maybe that's why you're so miserable. Maybe that's why you're so bitter and angry. And maybe that's why, because you're still carrying these things in your heart. And you sin against God and you say, oh God, I'm sorry. Please, please, please. He's saying, hey, did you take care of this? Did you take care of that? Like, like, did you add a new one this morning? Like, did you take care of that one this morning? <laughs> Valentine's Day. Did you take care of that one? Maybe the reason you're so miserable, maybe the reason you're so depressed, maybe the reason you're so angry is because you have chosen not to forgive someone and Jesus says, if you don't forgive, I don't forgive. Think about that for a second. So, you're saying, Pastor Jim, I'm doing really good. Like, (laughs) 75% good. I got 75% of it down. Like, It should mean something, shouldn't it? It's like saying, yeah, 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 yeah. It'd be like like saying, I I, I used to be a thief and I robbed like 37 Menards last year, but I'm so much better. I only did 34 this year. Now Jesus says, all, cover all. Forgive like I've forgiven you. And if you don't, I won't forgive you. You see, if you continue to harbor bitterness in your heart, which is the center of all reasoning and action, with a long list of unforgiveness, you will be miserably overcome with bitterness, anxiety, depression, angst, slander, and living way below your redeemed potential because you refuse to forgive others. Some of you, though, you, it's like you, you got it all down, but like you got this one thing and you continue to hold on to it. It's almost like your ace in the pocket. Like, and you got up this morning and like, you, got, you got them all down. It's like, but there's this one area, like, you refuse because you know as long as you hold on that one, you control that relationship. You control and manipulate that relationship. You're like, like, and, and you're, you're like, hey, hey, remember, I know this. And so you lord it over someone. You lord it over a group of people and you carry it. And this morning, you know what you did? You, you carried it right in your back pocket. It's like, this one I'm not giving over, Lord. Like, I was hurt too much. You got dressed today, and every day you put it in your purse, you put it in your pocket, and, 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 and you refuse to, to, to let go because it's your trump card. It's like, I control that marriage. I control that relationship. Like, I know something that no one else knows about that person. And yet the word of God says, love keeps no records of wrongs. But you still remember it, and you will never forget Never forget. Yet the word of God says love keeps no record of wrong. No, no, not this one, Jesus. I was hurt too badly and too deep. She put me through the ringer. I refuse. Yet love keeps no record of wrongs. Listen to me. If you keep holding on to this, then the word of God says you will never live to your redeemed potential. And how will the world know that we are Christians? By our love for one another. Are you beginning to see what it really looks like to love? How it covers a multitude of sins? It doesn't stop there, by the way. Love does not judge. I mean, Jesus, come on, Jesus, you're killing me. 
Look at Matthew chapter seven. He says this earlier in Matthew. Now look what he says in Matthew chapter seven. Look at verses one and two of Matthew chapter seven. Jesus goes a step farther in regards to this love. Look what he says in Matthew chapter seven. Look at verse one and two. Look, follow along with me, please. Do not judge or you too will be what? Judge. Look what he says in verse two. For in the same way you judge others, you will be what? And with the measure you use, it will be what to you? Now stop and think about that for a second. The measure to which you hold that thing, you keep it out in front, you put it right out in front of that relationship. It's like, that's your trump card. Like, remember, I'm not trusting you because love always trusts. Love, love always thinks higher of others. Love, love is open to, to forgiving. I, but no, not this one. This is if you refuse to let go of this, if you continue to judge the measure that you judge others, that's the measure you will be judged by Jesus Christ. Listen, I need all the grace I can have. I don't know about you, but like when I read this, whoa. Like, oh, Lord, whatever it is, please Please, God, I, I, God, God, I'll forgive him. God, I'll forgive him. God, I'm forgiving everything, Lord, because I know the measure that I need from you. So the measure to which you are willing to forgive someone else and judge someone else, guess what? That's the measure that he'll judge you. Think about that for a second. What are you holding out against someone? Guess what? That's what Jesus is holding out against you. The thing that you hold close to you, he's holding close to him. The measures to which you are willing to judge others, he will judge you. Eugene Peterson translated this incredibly. Let's listen to what he says in Matthew 7, 1 and 2. He says, don't pick on people, jump on their failures, and criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomerang back at you. So I get this picture like, like you're judging someone. Like, ah, oh, you did this, you shouldn't have done that. And you just give it to them. It's like you're walking down the street. <laughs> Like the boomerang comes back at you. Like, yeah, like you thought when you asked, please God, forgive me of this, Lord. Lord, I was a sinner, Lord. Oh, I'm a sinner. I was up front on my knees. I'm a sinner, Lord. And you go out and you continue to judge. God keeps coming back after you. And you wonder why you're so miserable. You wonder why there's no forward motion in your job. You wonder why there's no forward motion in your marriage. You wonder why there's no forward motion with your mom and dad. You wonder why there's no forward motion with your kids. You wonder why there's no forward motion in your family. You wonder why there's no forward motion in your, in your church. You wonder why you're at the same place. Maybe because you are still holding something against someone and judging them. You know what Jesus is doing? Back at you. He says, do not judge the measure to which you judge. I'll judge you. Listen, this is, this, is, this is tough stuff. What does this passage mean when it comes to judge? Let me, let me okay, for some of you say, well, aren't there times we should have that right to wisely judge? I would say it this way. It does not mean we can't make judgments on people. Schools do it all the time. Your kid goes out for a sporting event. Your kid goes out for a musical event. Your kid goes out and they stand before the judge. And what's the judge do? They make judgment calls on this person's ability. So they make the team. They get the first chair in music. They get the, the major role in the acting. They get the point guard position on the starting team. They, they, they win the quiz bowl, first spot, whatever it is. There's judgment calls that you make based on performance. Judgment calls are made all the time. They're made for teams. They're made for jury duties. We make judgments in the workplace on productivity and attitudes. We, we, we promote people if they have good attitudes. Those that don't, we don't promote. We make judgment calls all the time. So we can make judgment in some sense. But here, this word, when Jesus says, and it takes on the meaning of judging that includes condemning the person and making a negative conclusion about the person and then condemning them. Only God can condemn us because of our sins. It's the idea of you and I cutting off someone in a relationship, choosing not. I'm not hanging out with them anymore because of that. It's the idea of refusing to ever give them another chance, censoring them. We are not to judge their motives either. Only God knows the heart of people. 
We can make a judgment call on what they did, but not on why they did it. How many times have all of us, I, I have too, I've had people make judgment calls about my motives. Well, Pastor Jim does that because of this. Like, I want to say, how do you know what I'm thinking? Like, even the word of God says our hearts are so desperately wicked that we can even deceive ourselves. But somehow it didn't deceive you. Only God knows our motives and intents in our hearts. And the second that you're with someone and they say, hey, come here, let me, let me tell you about that person. Here's why she's doing that. Here's why he's doing that. Listen, that person has crossed over to judgment that's condemning of that person. Only God can examine the motives and intents of our hearts. The word of God tells us that we're not supposed to be fault finders. You see, a person who finds much to criticize or complain about is a fault finder. And by the way, no one likes a fault finder. You like fault finders? Like, like I was thinking about this, and I've, been, you know, I've had long-term relationships with a lot of people. Do you remember the kid? Maybe it was your brother or sister. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was a classmate that, that was called the tattletale. They told everybody. You go back into class, and they told the teacher. Or you come home that day from school, and it's your sister, and all you remember is a... Mom, Jimmy did this, Jimmy did that. I mean, holy cow, I heard it all the time. It's that little tattletale. And if, listen, if you don't grow up and mature in Christ, if you don't get saved and redeemed, you grow up as an adult and you know what you do? You're the same kid that you were. Now you're this adult tattletale that feels the need to invite someone over for coffee and say, come here, come here. Let me tell you what I know about them. And then you sit there and they tell you the laundry list, everything they've done wrong. Listen, you haven't grown in Christ. You haven't understood what it means to forgive. And so you continue to grow and morph. And all you want to do is be a fault finder. It's called tattletaling. And Jesus says, if you're a tattletale, I'm coming back at you. The sin comes from spiritual pride and and often from envy. Let me tell you about fault finders. They're always gossipers. And by the way, listen, you don't have to look very far at any of us and find faults with this. <laughs> Come on, hang out with me for 10 minutes. You'll find a lot about me that needs some areas to grow in. Hang out with any of us for 10 minutes and you'll soon see that we're not perfect human beings. Only one that was and he was called Jesus Christ. This incessant desire to find faults has broken relationships. I know friendships that are no longer friends because someone is holding one event that took place on this date against that person and they hold it close to their heart. They carry it everywhere they go and they used to be loyal friends and they would have they went to the gates of hell together fighting for Jesus. But because of that one moment, they hold it close to their heart and they'll never forget. Listen, that is Sin. I heard this week and I read this week this beautiful picture of what this is. This person said that these kind of people are called spiritual vultures. And you know what a vulture is. And this person said, like the vultures of the air that live off the dead, rotting flesh, these sad individuals thrive on the mistakes and sins of others. They fly across the landscape, keeping a close eye out for the failures of others. They swoop in for a daily feast as soon as they see that person fail. And you know what they do next? They invite you over for a cup of coffee. Hey, you want to go out for breakfast tomorrow? And they carry their backpacks of rotting flesh. And they drive to these restaurants and homes. And hey, come in. Let me let you tell you some smelly stuff about that person. Listen, that is called sin. So how do we judge? How, do, how does that play out in our lives? What are some of the things that we say and do? And what does that look like in, in lives? Here's the things that some of us will say. We say things like this. We blow small things out of proportion. We come to quick, hasty, negative conclusions. We make mountains out of molehills. We get involved in situations where we should not be involved in because, oh, you found something. I'm so glad finally someone found out. 
We pass along critical stories to others. We have a strong bias to find others guilty. We dismiss an unkind remark by saying, I was only joking. We say something critical and then try to cover it up. We're unkind and quickly change the subject. We take pleasure in condemning others and we rejoice secretly. I told you so. I'm so glad finally someone saw what I saw 37 and a half years ago. And we rejoice in the sin of others. We hold things against people. Listen, that is sick. If you're waiting for someone to fail and you can say, I told you so. That's not love, that's sin. How will the world ever run to Jesus with that kind of fellowship? And what else you do? You ask others to join in finding faults in someone else. And better yet, here's, what, here, here's like the final summation. You make others feel guilty if they don't agree with you about that person. Listen to me. Have nothing to do with that kind of person. Jesus said this in Psalm to us through a, a great shepherd, a man of God in Psalm 139, 23 and 24. He said this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and see if there's any offensive way in me. Can I ask you a question? Like, are there areas in your heart that for the first time you're willing to admit that you're holding on to? Are you guilty? Peter says, love covers over a multitude of sins. And so literally, it's this picture, it's this, it's this picture that literally, it just takes those things that you walked in here with, love, 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 covers over. Like, it covers over a multitude of sins. Love just covers over because of the grace and love that you've received as a Christ follower, We extend it. Out of the overflow of the heart, our lives speak. The word of God says that they will know we are Christians, disciples, people of the way. By the way, we love one another. The word of God says in 1 Corinthians 13 that love keeps no record of wrongs. It's like, okay, I'm almost there, Pastor Jim. (laughs) Like all that. Love keeps no wrongs record of wrongs. To the measure that you judge, Jesus will judge you. To the measure that you're willing to forgive, Jesus will forgive you. Jesus said through scripture, through Peter, that love covers over a multitude of sins. personal. That just felt good just to do that. Let me ask you. Are you holding out somewhere? Like, is it so creased that you pack it with your wallet every single day? Are you a spiritual vulture? Are you holding something against someone still? It's time. It's time. It's time we take these things and we keep no record of wrongs. I started by saying these things about Christians. They will know we are Christians by our love. Does your wife, does your husband, does your ex, does your daughter, do your employees, does that business partner that ruined you, does that person who did something to you, 
Does your mom? Does your dad? Does this community? Does your neighbor? Does your coach? Do your players know you because you love one another? Will people find Jesus in the way you love them? Or have they taken the first flight out of town to get away from what you have to offer? Listen, we can't be all in and hold on to the offenses that have been done to us and thrive as Christ's followers. Oh Lord, help us. All through our services today, this is the moment. This is the moment where we make a decision. This is the moment where we say, Lord, I'm letting it go. I will not bring it up again. I refuse to join in with others who want to disparagingly talk about others. I refuse to hold this against him and her and them and those. I want the world to know you. And the world will know and find Jesus when they see us loving one another. I'm going to ask you to do something quietly. Just stand as we continue to pray here in the main, the link. Please, don't, don't leave. Just, this could be the point in your life where you finally, finally soar. Maybe you're miserable today. Because you're holding on to some lie and you refuse to forgive. And maybe you're miserable today because you cannot let go. I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart. I'm going to ask him to remove that trump card that you've been carrying for years. I'm going to ask him to teach you how to have a stretched out love for others. I'm going to ask you to ask him to show you, to search your heart and see if there's any offensive way in you, to test it. And if there is, I want you to do something. Listen to me. It's between you and God. It doesn't matter what someone else thinks. And I'm going to ask you to come to the front and the main, the link. I'm going to ask you to kneel like hundreds have have already. And you're saying, God, I refuse to hold this any longer. I'm all in, Jesus. I want to be a Christ follower known for my love. Not my judgment. Not my need to be right. Not my need to find faults. I want to love my wife. I want to love my husband. I want to love my daughter, my son, my mom, my dad. I'm all in, Jesus. And I know that I need to deal with this in order for that to happen. Now, this is the moment where pride steps in. This is the moment where you're afraid, what will someone think if they see me up there? I'm a leader. I'm a boss. I I got it all together. Well, this is the time where you break down those walls. Because listen to me. If you don't deal with those areas in your heart, listen to me, listen to me. The measure to which you judge, the way in which you forgive, God, the Father, Son, Jesus will do the same to you. So I ask you to come. As we sing this song, and kneel at the front. Even if all the owls have to be filled, listen, this is your chance to get it right in 2016 so that you can flourish. In Jesus' name, amen.